Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, ESV, a.k.a. Coach Mav, a.k.a. Father Figure, a.k.a stepfather figure, aka. <laughs> All right, it's enough. So I've been doing a lot of new things. One of those things being YouTube. And it's been interesting trying to find a flow and get my rhythm with recording different types of content to repurpose on every single platform and making content that's conducive to the platform specifically, like YouTube, for example. Um, I've been recording more in-depth, uh, lengthy, high-quality YouTube videos. And sometimes I repurpose those for the podcast. and do both at once, but I realized I want to offer you know, some additional things and some things on the podcast that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Obviously, I record extra episodes that are podcast only, but one of the things I'm going to do is instead of recording the entire thing as a podcast that I would also repurpose on YouTube, I'm just going to put the, like the point of the episode, like the main fo- the focal point of the episode on YouTube. And prior to that, I'm going to give like life updates, talk about some personal stuff, and connect with you all before I start recording the videos. And so that's what this first part of this episode will be. The main focal point of this episode is the three women's weight loss, the three biggest women's weight loss myths. That's what I'm going to dive into on this episode and talk in depth. But that's what's going to be on the YouTube video right now. I'm going to give personal stuff because I, I get a lot of feedback on that, especially from those of you who have you know, similar experiences, whether it's, you know, trauma or you've dealt with, you know, patterns that you can't seem to break with your behavior or cyclical relationship patterns, or you have a blended family, or, you know, you have a kid who does what one of my kids does, you know, something like that. The parent stuff, the personal stuff, the relationship stuff, and give all that value prior to the focal point. So let's get into that quick life update. Dude, Haley and I are home without kids right now. Oh my God, never happens. It just doesn't happen. You know, either one or the other child is always here or both, uh, which that's the majority of the time. And having a house to ourselves with no kids, we didn't even know what to do. We actually got home at like midnight last night. Haley flew Weston, her, you know, her biological child to Texas to be with his father and his family for Christmas. They do a big old thing down there in Texas which is awesome. But that was a whole day of flying for her back and forth. Our kids, neither one is old enough to do the, what do they call it? The, you know, where they can fly alone. I can't remember what it's called, Um, but they have to be four years old to do that. Accompanied adult, I think it's what it's called, whatever it is. Accompanied child. I don't know. Anyway, they're not old enough for that yet. So she had to fly with him to Texas and back. And we got We got back Fort Lauderdale. She got back at Fort Lauderdale at midnight or around the, the fly, there's a huge storm in Florida right now. Big, big storm moving through. And so her plane bar- was barely able to land. It was kind of like an episode of Con Air. Not episode. It was like that movie Con Air with Nicolas Cage, that classic. Those of you who are 30 plus will remember that movie. And she came in guns a blazing. Came in, that plane came in hot. She was texting me. She was like, we're, gonna, we're going down. I was getting texts like right before she landed. And I was, what's funny is like when Haley and I are on a plane, I'm absolutely scarred from the military. I've been in helicopters that were being shot at, et cetera. When you are in a helicopter that's being fired upon by the enemy, it does maneuvers in the air. It drops, it bobs, it weaves, and you talk about butterflies. Well, if you have that experience, plus just being shot at in general, 
you know, things don't typically rattle you. Those of you who are prior military will or have been deployed will be able to relate here. So when a plane feels a little turbulence, I don't react. I laugh. I'm a little fucked up. I'll just laugh while everyone else is like, oh my God. And so anyway, anytime there's been turbulence on a plane, you know, I can feel this death grip on my wrist from Haley and I'm just sitting there like smiling because <laughs> I'm my senses to danger are so deadened. But anyway, she was sending me texts. The plane was coming in like, I'm not, li- I don't like this. This is scary. And I was like, all right, see you in a few minutes. You know, anyway, the plane did come in. It was like, she's the way she described it said it was like 50 feet above. It was spirit. So already, I mean, Haley was probably flying the plane. Haley was probably the one flying the plane since it was spirit, but it was coming in gun, you know, it came in, came in hot and they had to pull back up right before they landed because they were like sideways, apparently. Maybe a little exaggeration there. I don't know. I'm not making accusations. I'm not making assessments, but I feel like there may have been some exaggeration. Anyway, she got in about midnight and uh, we got back at midnight, I should say. Made love, went to sleep, and we don't have kids here today. We have to, I mean, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting Denver at five o'clock today per the parenting plan. And we'll have just one child and there'll be a couple of days when we don't have either one again. I'm on a two, two, three time sharing schedule with the with the co-parents. And so anyway, we're enjoying that. We're enjoying not having kids here. Just as a brief reprieve, obviously we love our children more than anything in the world, but having a reprieve from the madness that is two, three-year-old boys is nice because they it's it is like a constant MMA octagon fight in our living room. We have a beanbag the size of a building. We have one of those love sacks. Love sacks are freaking huge and they use it as their personal wrestling mat jumping to and from the couch to the beanbag and we're just waiting for somebody to get a concussion it's crazy we do our best but like we'll walk out of the room for two seconds and they're already at it again there's a size difference between the kids denver is weirdly large don't know where he got that from and weston is you know about normal size for his age and so there's like a size and strength discrepancy and we have to keep an eye because denver doesn't understand his own strength and uh it's interesting and then when I wrestle with them, it's actually just, it's chaos. They love, we play King of a Hill on that beanbag and there's sharp, ob, like, sharp, like, you know, corners of tables and stuff. And Haley almost has a stroke every time because it's just like someone's head will come within inches of hitting a corner. You can't nerf every sharp edge, you know, you can only do so much. So, but it's fun. It's fun, man. So we're doing that. We just started. Oh, I, those of you who, who probably saw this, we got a local videographer, which is awesome because now we can film gym content. I have never, in, in all my years of doing this, six plus years, you know, online, being consistent, I have never filmed gym content. And now I get to, and it's really cool. I get to actually talk in depth about exercises and we'll get, you know, I'll get a shitload of content because in one session you can get, God, 15 videos if you crank them out, you know, because I'm just talking. I'm just doing the lifts and talking. But, you know, you realize how much knowledge you have up in your brain when you've been doing something for 20 years. Because the training part of things, I've been doing way longer than the nutrition stuff. Obviously, like I, I, my career is based on the nutrition coaching, but the training knowledge I have far surpasses my nutrition knowledge. And so what I'm able to give in terms of, you know, exercise philosophy, you know, your rep tempo, sets and reps, volume, you know, form little mental cues while you're training to get the most out of the exercise. I, I have a lot to offer and Haley is doing it as well. I, I pushed her to do it, you know, in a good way. Like I kind of was like, hey, listen, because I think the biggest thing is when people get on camera, if you don't have a lot of experience with it is, oh my God, I look stupid. What's everyone else think? Especially if you're in a public place, like, oh, everyone's staring at me. 
is what I'm saying dumb? Do I look dumb? Do I look ugly? Do I? Da, da, da. There's always thoughts that run through your head, right? And I'm just used to it because I don't give a fuck anymore because I've been doing it for years and years. So I have less aversion to it. And I'm just like, I was so proud of Haley for just doing it. She took a little bit of coaxing, like, hey, listen, you have the knowledge. People want to hear what you have to say. You're well-spoken. You're beautiful. You're just as good or better than anyone already doing it and making a career out of it. So just do it and see what happens. Just put in the reps. And she jumped right in and she crushed it. And now now we have a, a great way to give a lot of value with our respective knowledge. You know, she has a, a set of knowledge that is really, really valuable to those looking to do similar things, like, you know, uh, build a booty, build legs, you know, and it's just a woman's perspective and a woman who, you know, has a lot of knowledge and, and com- who competes, but can also relate to the average person who does not compete. And so that's, it's really cool. Just get excited. We're going to do a lot of that kind of content. We're going to be cranking those out. So I've got a shit ton of content. I've got the gym stuff. I've got my regular stuff. I've got my YouTube stuff. I've got the podcast. Uh, a lot of stuff coming out. So really excited. We're doing that. What else, dude? What else? What else? What else? We're finally getting in kind of a groove with our schedule and with our day-to-day. You know, when you move your entire life to another state with your child, that can be very disruptive. And so, you know, we did a lot of things in a three to four month, now five month time span. And so things are finally getting in a rhythm and slowing down. You know, we still have to travel here and there because our family, you know, my family lives in Tennessee. Weston's first, you know, Haley's son's father lives, you know, in another state. So there's still some travel involved. But for the most part, we're getting in a groove and just really like, man, life rips, dude. Like I get to get up today. We've slept in because we were, you know, up till way past our bedtime. And I get to get up today and give you guys value. So I'm super excited. Super excited. Other than that, everything is... Oh, let's talk one more thing. Slay. Slay Hormone Solutions. Bioidentical Hormone Replacement Therapy. If you don't know what that is, just check out my Instagram, Slay Hormone Solutions. My other Instagram, I should say. We're launching in January. We're, we're finally getting closed. I had to hire a, a client coordinator. We're in the midst of that. Interviewing and picking a candidate to, to take that position. It's a very pivotal position within the company because she's going to be speaking with you all our clients who are putting your, your medical health in our hands. She's not the, obviously we have a medical team ready to go, uh, but this person, very important position because she'll be taking your orders, managing, you know, speak, communicating within our client portal, facilitating transactions and, and just giving a lot of customer support. So really important position, really excited about that. Looking to launch in January. I think we're going to be able to move. If not January 1st, then the first week of January. So get on our email list. Uh, that link is in the, the profile at Slave Hormone Solutions Instagram. You can get on that email list and we'll update you when we are serving your state. We're launching in seven states. Those states are Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, Georgia. Oh, and Mississippi. I'll say those again. Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, Mississippi, Missouri, Kentucky. We'll be... In almost every state, I would say it'll be probably in like at least 40 states by the end of it, by the time it's all said and done. But those are the, those are the states that we are launching in. So be ready. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. All right. We're going to transition. We're going to go into the three biggest women's weight loss myths. Here we go. Today, we're going to talk about the three biggest women's weight loss myths. It's your boy ESV, by the way. So there are a lot of myths in the fat loss industry. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of confusing information. There's doctors 
that conflict with other doctors. There's Izzy the Influencer fighting with Sarah the Glute Guide Goddess. There's some guy popped up on a bunch of steroids who is telling you to stay away from spinach because it's killing you. Who do you believe? What do you do? I'm here to simplify all that shit. Evidence-based is a term that you should always use when you're looking for who to follow, who to believe, who to give your family advice, or, or who to, who to, whose information to use to guide your family with their health. That's very important, right? Because a lot of times we don't make, just make these decisions for ourselves. We're looking for good decisions to guide our families, our kids uh, to better health long-term. So let's talk about the biggest myths that keep people in this fog of confusion, misinformation, and, and not knowing what the hell to do because you get an analysis paralysis when there's 10 different routes you could go. Let's just give one and let's uh, debunk these myths that are keeping people stuck. Number one that I hear the most, it was kind of a tie for first place, but I'm going to go with this one because I hear it more than anything. You burn fat with cardio or in order to burn fat, you must do cardio. Think about Hollywood and how it portrays fat burn. It's usually someone running or on a treadmill or doing some kind of high-intensity interval type of workout. That is always the picture that is portrayed when it comes to burning fat. And I'm here to tell you, cardio is the dullest tool in the toolbox when it comes to fat burn. Here's why. Let's just simply break down how the body burns calories every day. Higher than that, let's talk about what is required for fat loss. The number one requirement for fat loss is to be in an energy deficit. Notice I said energy and not calories. There's some nuance and some context we're going to establish here. When we think about the way we burn calories every day, it comes down to your total daily energy expenditure, okay? Because for fat loss, the number one requirement is to be in an energy deficit, meaning the energy that you expend is more than the energy that you consume or the energy that you consume is less than the energy that you expend either way. And so what that means is when you add together all the ways you expend energy, it needs to be a number or an amount that is greater than the energy that you can you consume to be a caloric intake. When we look at total daily energy expenditure, so people will always say calories in, calories out determines fat loss. That's actually just one aspect of the equation. Total daily energy expenditure is you, the way in its entire how we burn fat in its entirety, okay? So how it breaks down is 70% or more or less, all these categories can be more or less based on your lifestyle, okay? But roughly the average person, 70% of your calories burned every day comes from your basal metabolic rate. This category is the amount of calories that your body burns just functioning, living, existing, circulating blood, your respiratory system, uh, cellular regeneration, everything involved in the metabolic process. That is your basal metabolic rate. And that is the biggest chunk of the pie, of the calorie burn pie, okay? So this category is influenced by all the categories after it that I'm about to give. Uh, but primarily, it's influenced the most by your thyroid hormones, the, the amount of active thyroid hormone you have circulating in your bloodstream. And I'll get to that more in depth later on. And your body composition. So your, your muscle tissue to fat ratio determines a lot of how many calories you burn because muscle tissue is calorically more expensive. Take someone like myself, I can just sit here and I'll burn 3,500 calories plus because I have a lot of muscle tissue. 
So people with more muscle tissue burn more calories at rest from their basal metabolic rate than people who don't have a lot of muscle tissue. All right. And that is also why we burn less calories as we age, because as we age, we're more at risk for muscle loss because of hormone decline and because we don't normally consume as much protein as we did in our youth and we don't move as much as we did in our youth. More on that later as well. So 70% or more or a little bit less, depending on lifestyle, determined by your basal metabolic rate. 15% or more is determined by your non-exercise activity. So this is all of your activity outside of your exercise, right? And so when we think about what that encompasses, step count is a huge depictor of how active someone is or is not. So if you, people with a high step count always burn fat easier than people with a lower step count. And when I say step count, I mean consistent step count over time. How much you're walking for weeks, months on end on average. So let's say a person averages 2,000 steps a day. That's 14,000 steps a week, roughly. That's 15, 30, 45, 60. That's just under 60,000 steps a month, right? If you take that total, let's just call it 60,000 steps a month. If you want to burn more fat, an easy lever you can pull is go from 60,000 to 65,000. Just add 5,000 steps to your monthly total. It's a great way to zoom out and pull a big lever that can influence this category. But going back to the total daily energy expenditure, 15% or more. Why is this such a big category? And I get this question all the time. Why do steps burn? Why are steps so important? Well, how long is an exercise session? 30 minutes to an hour. How long is a day? 24 hours. So you think that one hour is going to burn more calories overall than what you do in the other 23? Yeah, I don't think so. So 15% or more comes from your non-exercise activity. 10% or more comes from a thermic effect of food. So this is the amount of calories that your body burns just digesting food because that takes work. It takes work to break down food in your body. Protein has the highest thermic effect of food, right? So the more protein you eat, more calories you will typically burn from this category. The remaining category, the last 5% exercise. Okay, so now we are coming to a realization that most people look at it in reverse. They're like, oh, if I want to burn more calories, I'll exercise more. And nope. That's only an hour out of your day, two hours max if you're a competitive athlete. So what you're doing the other 23 hours of the day has a much higher impact on your energy balance in total than what you do in that small portion of your day. Now, when we think about basal metabolic rate and we think about all the other categories, which activity do you think will influence our other categories the most? Cardio, which builds no muscle. Or weightlifting, which builds muscle. I'm going to take option B. The more muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest, the more calorically expensive your body becomes, right? The average person only burns max around 600 calories. And I'm talking max. The average person is actually probably way below that. In an average cardio session, you probably only burn 250 to 300 calories max. If you look at your caloric consumption and you're eating you know, 2,000 calories a day, and you burn, let's say on a good day, 400 calories in a cardio session, well, guess what? One meal over 400 calories erases that cardio session as in terms of your energy balance. So now we're starting to realize that cardio doesn't even make a dent, really, when it comes to what is required to burn fat. And what is required to burn fat being in a consistent energy deficit over time. Meaning, if you zoom out and look at your week, 
if it takes 2000 calories, let's just say, I'm just throwing numbers out to maintain your weight. That means you have to average for the week less than 2000 calories per day. That means that some days you can eat more than 2000 calories, but for the week in total, you need to be less than 2000. This is where a lot of people fuck up and think that just because they ate like a baby rabbit Monday through Wednesday, they fasted, they tried to erase the weekend. They, they did some kind of dumbass diet like keto for three days just to cleanse the system from the weekend, right? And then the weekend comes around, you binge again. Well, if, even if you average, let's just say 800 to 1,000 calories three to four days out of the week, if you eat in a huge surplus on the weekend in excess of 3,000 calories, well, now your average is over the 2,000 that it took to maintain your weight. And that's why you're gaining weight. And yet people sit here and act confused when they're doing that cardio that makes a minuscule difference in your energy balance, they're confused sitting here like, why can't I lose weight? I'm doing all this cardio. One, because you're not tracking calories, you're eating like an offensive lineman. And two, because cardio means fuck all in terms of fat loss. One more distinction I want to make here is when we think about burning fat and losing body fat. Big distinction. Burning fat just means you're using fat, dietary fat from food as fuel. Okay. That's way different from losing body fat. You want to lose body fat. When we think about burning fat, let's dive a little deeper. There's no difference in fat loss between a high fat and low fat diet. Meaning you have all these proponents of, of, of low carb and high fat because they're like, oh, I'm burning more fat with a high fat diet. Yeah, because there's more fat available from your food to burn. The rest of the day, it evens out. And by the same token, a high carb, low fat diet, you burn less fat during exercise, but it evens out the rest of the day when you burn more fat as fuel. So point being the net fat lost is the exact same between a high carb or a low carb approach or high fat and low fat approach. The net difference is nothing. So you need to do the approach dietary wise that works best for you. But there's a big difference between burning fat as fuel and losing body fat. Losing body fat requires you to be in a consistent energy deficit, utilizing and leveraging all the categories mentioned in total daily energy expenditure, because that's how we burn calories. So when people message me and they're like, oh my God, I burned or I lost 50 pounds using your method. It's really not my method. It's just my way of explaining how our body burns calories and leveraging that to your advantage from a lifestyle, exercise, and nutrition perspective. That's it. I don't have a super secret blueprint. I just know how we burn calories and I do what makes sense. That's why our clients get the results that they do. Second biggest myth, and this is a big one. Like I said, this was high for first place. and I chose this one second. Carbs and sugar and or certain foods make you fat. Holy shit. The evidence is abundant on this. Neither carbs nor sugar have an effect in and of themselves on your ability to burn fat. I'm not talking to you people who have autoimmune diseases or a certain allergy to foods, okay? If you have an aversion to carbohydrates or a specific food group because of an autoimmune disease, I'm not talking to you. This information is for the vast majority. You need to work with a physician if you have some kind of autoimmune disorder. But outside of that, nobody is, uh, is carb averse or carb intolerant. If you take two people and they consume the exact amount of, if you take two people and they consume the exact same amount of calories, 
Woman A, consuming 2,000 calories. Woman B, consuming 2,000 calories. And let's just also say they have identical bodies. You're identical twins, just for the sake of this example. Well, if they consume the same amount of calories and they have the exact same energy expenditure, they're doing the exact same amount of exercise, et cetera, but one of them, one of them within that 2,000 calories consumes, let's say, 180 grams of carbs, and the other one consumes 30 grams of carbs, they get the same results. Same with sugar. All that matters when it comes to fat loss is your total calorie and your protein intake. That is it. As long as you have a handle on your average caloric intake and you're consuming a sufficient amount of protein, there is no superior route to fat loss. I need you to hear this because carbs and sugar are demonized more than any other thing. And people tell you, oh, I cut out sugar and I lost 30 pounds. Yeah, Deborah, because you're consuming less calories. The person that doesn't track calories can throw any dart at the dartboard and see some semblance of success because if you cut something out completely, of course you're going to lose weight because you're consuming less calories overall. Same thing for fasting, by the way. Yeah, if you eat half the day, you're going to consume less calories and lose weight. Fasting isn't magical. It's not a it's not fairy dust you sprinkle on your fat loss journey. Autophagy happens from a caloric deficit and exercise. It's not unique to fasting. There are no benefits unique to fasting. You're just eating less fucking food. And that's what causes the weight loss that you're experiencing. I will go toe to toe with anyone on this because the evidence is in my corner. Calories and protein equated. That is a term that you need to cement in your mind when you're looking at any study. A lot of studies will say, oh, these participants lost more weight using a low-carb approach. But when you equate the calories, there's no difference in fat loss. It all comes down to total caloric consumption and protein consumption because, like I said earlier in this video, the thermic effect of food hinges in large part on your protein consumption. So people who consume more protein burn more calories from digesting food and lose more weight as a result. So carbs and, and the same thing goes for fats. Fats don't affect fat loss whatsoever so long as calories and protein are, are accounted for, right? So remember this. Anytime you have friends telling you, oh, I did this diet and it helped me lose weight. Great. Awesome. Happy for you. By the way, you didn't have to do that diet. You could have just eaten an inclusive nutrition protocol, including all food groups, not having to cut out dairy or cheese or fucking, you know, fruit. If anyone tells you to cut out fruit, smack them in the face, run away, never look back. That person is insane. Who's the last person you heard of that got obese from eating bananas? I'll wait. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy. This epidemic we have of people getting obese eating fucking blueberries. Nobody's gotten obese from eating some strange berries since... Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. The shit doesn't happen. Per calorie, fruit is less fattening than other foods because you have the fructose that contributes to more thyroid hormone conversion in the liver. That's free smoke for you. I bet you didn't know that. Yeah, thyroid hormone conversion increases with the more glucose from carbs that we eat because the liver needs that ingredient to convert inactive thyroid hormone T4 to active thyroid hormone T3. Same thing for your gut. Oh, by the way, speaking of gut health, you ever Google a list of prebiotic foods? Yeah, almost all of them have carbs. So if you cut out an entire macronutrient, you're cutting out nutrient-dense foods like fruit and also prebiotic foods that are great for your gut and up to 20% of thyroid hormone is converted in the gut. Again, just some free knowledge for you. There's a reason why I'm so anti-keto and that's a, big, that's a big reason why. The other part of this is certain foods make you fat. We have these dumbass documentaries like Game Changers that come out and they demonize meat, right? 
Well, when we look at these studies and we look at the meat that people consume that they're associating with inflammatory markers or cancer or whatever it is, well, they don't equate for calories in these studies. Again, it comes down to when calories and protein are equated. When people eat fattier cuts of meat, those cuts of meat have more fat. Fat is more calorie dense than protein and carbs. Fat is nine calories per gram as opposed to carbs and protein, which are four calories per gram. So the more fat you eat, the more calories you're going to consume. The more calories you consume, the more prone you'll be to higher inflammatory markers from being chronically overweight and chronically overconsuming calories. Take those same people in these studies, consume lean, you know, equate for calories, consume leaner cuts of meat with less fat. It's not the meat. It's the fat that has more calories. So it's the calories, not the fat in and of itself. Because fat's not bad either, by the way. It's just overconsuming calories. It always comes down to that. In the last 20 years, carbohydrate consumption has decreased in our country, but obesity continues to rise. So clearly, it's not the carbohydrates. It's overconsumption of highly palatable processed foods. The standard American diet is fucking abysmal. It's sedentary lifestyle, and it's chronically under-consuming protein. That's the obesity crisis. It's not carbs. It's not sugar. It's not fat. It's not any one food group or one thing. It is a lifestyle issue. It is a miseducation issue. Because what happens when people cut out carbs and sugar? Generally, there is a statistic of 95% of people who diet regain the weight after three years. So what does that tell us? Most diets are unsustainable. What do most diets entail? Cutting out a food group, cutting out a macronutrient. So what we see is people who try to cut carbs and sugar completely, the cravings usually rear their ugly head, overcome them, and they end up binging, indulging, falling off the wagon. Carbs are fucking delicious. We don't need to cut them, okay? Furthermore, Google the countries with the lowest obesity rates. A lot of them are Southeast Asian countries. What do they primarily subsist on? A white rice. If carbs were making everyone fat, you would think those countries would be the highest in obesity rates, but they're not. They're the lowest because those people are active and they have a negative energy balance or an energy balance that's conducive to keeping them at a healthy weight. Sedentary lifestyle, by the way, is one of the worst things you can do as you age. I'll close this myth off by saying that this is this triggers a lot of people, but it's true. And I know that hormones play a part, especially with women. I'm not going to deny that. I know that menopause robs you of vital hormones such as estradiol, progesterone, and thyroid to a large degree as we age. And that contributes to a decrease of basal metabolic rate. So what you did in your 20s no longer works, right? But every, like most, if we look at men and then most of the problem with women as well, it comes down to lifestyle. Show me someone who says things don't work like they used to. And I'll show you someone who doesn't consume as much protein as they used to. They don't strength train as much as they used to or at all. They don't walk as much as they used to. So they're less active. And all those things contribute to a decrease in basal metabolic rate. So what used to burn calories for them, let's just say that they used to maintain their weight at 1,800 calories average consumption. Well, now they burn less calories in the basal metabolic rate category and in the non-exercise activity category and in the thermic effect of food category and in the exercise category. So of course, they can't eat the same amount of food and maintain their weight. Now they're going to gain eating the same amount. So it's not that your body necessarily just changed overnight on you. You gradually stopped doing things over time that led to being in a caloric deficit. Last myth, number three, supplements help you burn fat. Let me just kill this one. 
There's not a single solitary supplement on the market that if you take, it will help you burn fat. Not raspberry ketones, not motherfucking fat burners, not uh, fucking, what are those called? Thermo- thermogenics. What are they? What are some of CLA? None of that shit helps you burn fat. Think about everything I just laid out for you and the way that we burn calories every single day. There's no supplement that makes one of those categories higher. There's no supplement or injection, by the way. There's no weight loss injection that you can take where you inject lifestyle, where you inject protein intake, where you inject weightlifting, or you take some potion that increases one of those four categories, right? Doesn't help unless you have those four things dialed in. And let's just make it real simple here. Unless you have the four pillars of averaging a caloric range, averaging a certain step count, averaging a sufficient protein intake and getting stronger, no supplement's going to help you anyway. Even protein, creatine, et cetera, the ones with some data behind them, none of them will do anything unless your lifestyle is checked. Now, I realize that's not sexy to hear. I realize that the majority of people want to hear, hey, take this and you'll make you, you getting A to B much easier and less effort and less time. Well, that's just not the case. The bodies that you want do the things that I've laid out in this video. Those are the three biggest fat loss myths and weight loss myths. Hope you got value from this. It's probably a little bit of a slap in the face. That's what I'm here for. I do it compassionately. It's not a backhand. It's just a little, hey, hey, get your shit together. And also, here's how to do it. That's my content. Love y'all. Have an awesome rest of your day. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.